I said, well, hell, I got it going on then. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Reload Podcast. My name is Kyle Boone, and we've got a special guest today, Kyle Porter, who uh, covers golf for CBS Sports and also covers Oklahoma State for Pistols Firing Blog, started the website in 2011, joins us to talk about Oklahoma State hoops, its NCAA tournament resume, and what it take what it might take for uh, the Cowboys to get off that dreaded bubble conversation. We also get to your questions about recruiting in a uh, fun little mailbag that we did. Uh, but first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, and we'll get to our special guest. You may have heard the news that there is a new tax bill, but do you know how it'll affect you? Angel, Johnston, and Blasting Game does. Their firm of 10 CPAs and 22 total employees is one of the largest in central Oklahoma, and they have been hard at work calculating exactly how these changes will affect hardworking cowboys just like yourself. Feel free to give Cameron or Evan a call at 405-224-6363 or visit their website at ajb-cpas.com. Again, that's 405-224-6363. Go Pokes. Welcome back to the Reload Podcast. This is Kyle Porter, not Kyle Boone. Uh, I love your intro music, Kyle. It's... uh... It's a little better than mine. I know we talked about this last time, but uh, I I'm excited to, to be here. I'm I'm playing the role of host today. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna sneak you away from some Tiger duty and some uh, NCAA basketball talk to talk a little bit about some recruiting. I think we're gonna hit hit on some uh, college basketball and Oklahoma State hoops too. But pretty excited to uh, to have you on. Just a brief brief little conversation today it should be fun. Yeah, I've been. Uh... <laughs> I've been deep in the RPI weeds <laughs> over the last uh, two days. I don't totally know what I'm looking at still, but I know that there's an injustice being done to Oklahoma State. Let's start there. Uh, you know more about this than I do. Uh, is the RPI a good metric for NCAA tournament teams? No. No, the RPI is a, is a very flawed metric, and um, the selection committee has kind of made a – pointed effort to try and weed out the RPI basically, you know, altogether. I think the RPI has a lot of flaws in it. Um, it doesn't tell the full story. It is one story, um, but it, it has in the past been a very heavily weighed metric. It won't be a heavily weighed metric this year, but it is still a metric and it's one that um, it's one that definitely does not favor Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's RPI is, is really, really pitiful. So, that's probably why you've been in, deep in the rabbit hole of the RPI world. Yeah, it just seems like there's a there's a sort of strange weight given to when you play really bad teams as opposed to sort of really bad teams. Like if you play the 300th best team in the country according to RPI, it brings your own RPI down so much compared to playing the 200th best team, which it doesn't seem like there's a material difference between 200 and 300 at the best. When you're when you're that bad, you're just I mean you're kind of all just like like Oklahoma State should beat all of those teams, and and, and so it's this uh, I don't know it's been this weird sort of trying to just sort out what's what's going on with these bubble teams. Yeah, uh, I'll be curious to see how they get stacked up. 
after the Big 12 tournament. You know, obviously it'll depend on how they play in the Big 12 tournament. If they can beat OU, that adds another quadrant one win, which is another uh, buzzword that you're probably hearing about this time of year. But uh, I feel like OSU's kind of being snubbed just because other than their RPI, I mean, you look at how many quadrant one wins they have, how many top 10 wins they have, which is four, and they have no bad losses. They don't have any losses in quadrant three or four. Um, it's a little frustrating to see them just basically fly completely off the radar. I, th- I saw Lunardi had them uh, in their in this. Uh, I think it was first four out, so they're in the conversation. But you know, our own employer isn't currently giving them conversation or any consideration, which is really interesting. Well, it, it is weird because it, it's almost like if they would have scheduled Villanova instead of uh, Mississippi Valley State. And just getting beat by 30 against Villanova, they would have a better argument than they do right now. That's such a that's such a bizarre thing. But that's the way that RPI works. And I'm going to give you two scenarios, and then we'll get we've got some uh, recruiting mailbag questions here in a second. But two scenarios: one, Oklahoma State beats OU on Wednesday and loses to Kansas by say 15 on Thursday. Are they in? And then the second scenario is they lose to OU on Wednesday by like 10 points. Are they in? I think OU, uh, Bedlam on Wednesday is a play-in game for Oklahoma State. I think OU is in. Uh, I think with them beating Iowa State on Friday night, I think that officially sealed their, their fate as an NCAA tournament team. Oklahoma State, they have to win on Wednesday to get in. I think that's... Uh, that's what we know right now is they need a quadrant one win, another one, which will presumably boost their RPI into a, a more respectable range. Um, and then from there, they can they can do whatever they want. If they win against Kansas, that would obviously be just icing on the cake. Maybe keep them out of that first four range where they have to play in Dayton. Uh, that, that, would be, that would be ideal. Um, but I think win, win Wednesday, you're in. Lose Wednesday, they're going to NIT. That's, that's my thoughts. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think I agree with you. Um, and but I think the interesting part will be: what if Oklahoma State wins on Wednesday? Will OU be out? Because then they would be eight and eleven against Big Twelve teams. They would have lost Oklahoma State twice. Do you, do you think Oklahoma, Do you think OU is in no matter what? I, I still think they're in no matter what. Like um, the the selection committee handed out like a mid season top sixteen seeds to look out at last month. And OU had lost, I want to say, six of eight at the time, and they were just on the downslope. And they were still the the number number four seed. They were the final number four seed uh, in the bracket. So I think that OU's wins in November and December specifically are still buoying them for a really solid overall resume. But you look at what they've done in the past month, and they've just fallen off a cliff. Um you know, I, I think it's it's not good if you look at what they've done recently, but if you look at the totality of work, I think they've they've probably done enough to get in. Yeah, it's just the RPI thing. Like, if you look at the – I looked at the top of OU's and, and Oklahoma State's non-conference schedules, and they're basically the same. They both played, like, six teams in the top, I don't know, 60 or 70 or whatever, and I think Oklahoma State went – uh, I don't know, two and three or two and four or three and three. And OU was about the same. And, and the difference is that OU played all these teams that are ranked like 210th or 220th. 
And Oklahoma State played teams that are ranked 330th. Yep. And it's like, well, those teams are the they're the same team. Like it's like it's not like Colgate is that much better than Pepperdine. Like I, right. I the, the whole the whole argument is just I know there has to be some sort of unifying metric, but that one just seems a little bit silly to me. Well, how do how do you prevent that then? Do you cut off you know say teams ranked below 200 uh, don't count against the RPI or what would what would be your proposition to fix that? Because I think it's always going to be like an obviously flawed metric um, unless they do some sort of cutoff with that or just take out the RPI altogether. Well, I, I like what they're doing with the quadrant thing, mm-hmm. but it's still it's still sort of underpinned by RPI because right. you look at the quadrants and they're sorted out by RPI. But I, I think the quadrant thing does matter because it says like, hey, a a win against the 230th best team is basically the same as a win against the 340th best team, right. and, and I think that's cor- I think that's correct, but we. We we need like I I want them to actually look at it and not just like see that Oklahoma State's RPI is 88th and Oklahoma State's such a unique case right because there there haven't been very many teams I would imagine if if any ever that have won so many games against top 25 and top 10 teams and yet still played this bad of a non-conference schedule and, and so there it's, it's going to be a unique test case I think for the selection committee but. Like you pointed out, they would be the lowest uh, RPI team ever, or the lowest RPI r- uh, ranked team ever to get into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah, and you know maybe that's a trend that we're seeing slowly go up and up because the bar was set in 2011. Syracuse set it again in 2016 when they got in with a 71. If OSU wins on Wednesday, they probably move up into like the mid or even high 70s. Is my guess yeah. like low low eighties mid seventies? So I mean, it wouldn't be that far off from where Syracuse got in just several years ago. Um, so I don't. I want to talk about the quadrant system. You said you like the quadrant system, or you you don't like the quadrant system. Well, I, I like I like parts of it. Uh-huh. Um, I I don't like that a win against the number one team in the country is the same as a win against the number fifty team in the country. Yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Because you look at Oklahoma State and their resume, uh, they have wins over Kansas on the road, and that is the same value as OSU beating like uh, Florida State on a neutral, which obviously that's a good win. Florida State's going to be a tournament team, but the the weight, I don't feel like there's any extra weight being given to OSU getting those four top ten wins versus you know just beating... Uh, a, like a ranked Baylor team or an unranked Baylor team. So the the other one that I the other one that I saw is uh, a win at Iowa State is the same as beating West Virginia at home. Yeah, yeah, no. That seems that seems silly. Yeah, His, historically, yeah, Ain't, Iowa State's not been good this year, but yeah, that does seem silly. The quadrant system is good. I think it's in the right direction, but I think there should be some sort of added weight for maybe top like top 25 teams or even like top 10 wins or something like that because OSU is standing on those four top 10 wins but that's kind of all they're standing on at this moment and it's not really being given any extra weight in their resume and when when you talk about OSU's resume 
Yeah. And I mean, the, the one that I keep going back to is Texas. Texas and Oklahoma State are the exact same team. Yeah. They scored the same number of points against each other in the regular season. They both won 65-64. Uh, Texas is five and ten in quadrant one games. Oklahoma State's five and ten in quadrant one games. Uh, Texas is three and three in quadrant two games. Oklahoma State's four and three in quadrant two games. They're, they're the they're literally the exact same in terms of resume. So why is Texas in and Oklahoma State isn't? I don't know. That's what's so frustrating too. Is uh, Oklahoma State's had so many chances to just at least boost its resume up to being off the bubble and into the NCAA tournament conversation. If they don't blow that game against Texas uh, in late February, they're probably in right now. They're sitting with nine wins, or maybe they yeah. end up blowing the Kansas game. I don't know. But, you know, you look at the Baylor games, and you're like, well, those those should have been wins, and they were losses. It's just really frustrating. At Kansas State, at Tech. Yeah, it's not good. Kansas Even- State at home, you just get housed. Kansas State's not that good. Even Arkansas. They should have beat Arkansas. Yeah. And Arkansas is a pretty good team. Yeah, I know it's uh, it, it's frustrating, but I, I'm with you. I think I think Wednesday is probably a playing game for Oklahoma State, um, so it should be fun. Um, you, you think Oklahoma State's going to win that game, don't you? Say that again. You think Oklahoma State's going to win that game? I think I think OSU <laughs> wins by double digits. I, I just wow. If you watch if you watch OU right now, they are just. They are just struggle city right now. I mean, they lost or they beat Iowa State, obviously, but Iowa State's like, you know, they're like tanking for the number one draft pick or something. They're really bad. Uh, Trey, Young, <laughs> Trey Young's like, he's like just, he hasn't been himself. I don't know what it is, if it's like a confidence thing or, um, yeah, I don't know what it is, but he's really the only guy who can initiate any offense on that team. And uh, when he's bad, OU's bad, and he's been pretty bad over the past month. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. It just feels like a game where where it's too obvious. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, Oklahoma State will beat OU right now. And then Trey Young has 43, and next thing you know, it's, you know, Oklahoma State season is over. Um, okay, let's change gears. Uh, but first, we need to hear from our sponsor. Hey, Cowboy Nation. Evan Epstein here. Wanted to take a moment and tell you about my experience with the other Evan over at Angel Johnston and Blasting Game. I've personally worked with Evan over the last couple years, and he's made filing my taxes a breeze. He's easy to work with, provides you with an extremely professional service, and most importantly, he bleeds orange. I highly recommend contacting his office and and just seeing what they can do for you. And as always, go Pokes. Okay, uh, we are back, Kyle. Uh, I've got some uh, reader mailbag questions here uh, about recruiting. We got some good ones. you answered some in a written piece last week yes. on the blog, on the website. I don't know if we should call it a blog anymore. Um, but we've got some other ones that you didn't get to. So let's just jump right in. This is from, I'm going to pronounce first names only because there's some difficult last names here. Yep. Uh, Josh O wants to know where is Oklahoma State's momentum right now in recruiting compared to last year and how would it change if Grant Gannell committed? Yep. So uh, Gunnell is a, the 2019 four-star quarterback. Uh, was previously committed to Texas A&M. He opened up his recruitment uh, within the past month. Um, OSU's kind of in the same spot as last year, to be honest. Like it, it feels like they maybe had a little bit of momentum uh, early when Grayson Boomer committed, but this time last year it was just Spencer Sanders and Blake Barron who were the only two commitments 
at the time. San- Sanders committed really, really early, like uh, the fall before uh, his cycle began. Um, so right now, OSU's kind of on par, but I think you know if you get the commitment of of Gunnell, who's a you know a top one hundred quarterback. Uh, I don't know why he parted ways with Texas A&M. It sounds like the Aggies kind of parted ways with him. Um, I think I think it would be huge because he's a big name in Texas. A lot of skill talent uh, in the area really like him as a quarterback. Uh, so that could sway some big receivers and even running backs and other skill talents to you know maybe give a look to Oklahoma State and say, hey, this kid is a stud. He might be an NFL quarterback. I, I wouldn't mind catching passes from him. So... I think it could be huge, but um, you know, right now Oklahoma State's considered the favorite. I think that would be huge. And this is a question. I'll jump ahead here because I think a lot of people had this question. But do you think that Gannell is is coming? Do you think he'll end up in Stillwater? Um, uh, I I think I'll say yeah. I think I think he really likes Oklahoma State. Um, I don't really have any inside scoop other than I've heard he really likes Oklahoma State's offense, which. I mean, if you look at Texas quarterbacks and you look at Oklahoma State's offense, it's like who doesn't like to throw the ball 50 yards down the field on every play? Um, yeah. So I, I can't blame them. So I, I would say, yeah, I think that's probably a pretty enticing option, even with Spencer Sanders uh, coming in and, you know, obviously going to compete for the starting job. He hasn't obviously won the gig yet. He hasn't even arrived on campus. But I, I say Come he on. comes. Come on. I, I've already, I'm already there. I'm he, already there. Right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're on, we're on, we're on the same page. Yeah, we are. Uh, uh, with Gunnell, I'm curious about this. Do you do you how important do you feel like it is to get a sort of, and I don't know that it always needs to be a quarterback, but sort of an anchor in terms of the recruiting class early. You mentioned Sanders last year; he was the first commit, and it just sort of somebody that everybody else rallies around. I don't know if I don't know if that was maybe Justice Hill in the in the class before that, but. How, how important is that, and and uh, how have you seen that sort of evolve at Oklahoma State? I would say it's pretty important that you get your quarterback early. Um, like last year, Spencer Sanders was the first to commit. Um, and I talked to him like last month, and he was kind of just complimentary of almost of his leadership skills, like saying, I always want to be first. I always want to be the leader. I want to set the example. I want to help recruit the class. That's why I was the first to sign on signing day. So I think it's important to get a guy like that. But you look at like yeah. the, the class with Justice Hill. I think Nick Starkle was actually um, the second on board, and uh, Justice may have been the first. But Starkle was the vocal leader in that class, um, and that didn't really pan out. So uh, Starkle ended up going to Texas A&M, and uh, he, his relationship with the recruits kind of soured midway through the process. Um, so getting the right one is just as important as getting one, uh, really early in the process. Yeah. Heard some, heard some fun stories about that. Uh, okay. This from John Jay. Gonna think the longer Courtney Ramey goes without committing. So we're, we're switching gears to basketball here. The less likely he is to come to Stillwater. Is that correct? Do you agree? Yes or no? Uh, I don't agree. Yeah, I don't agree. I think, uh, Courtney Ramey, the four star point guard, I think he's still taking his time with his decision. The The signing period is uh, a month away. It's in April. So um, Oklahoma State is one of the favorites. I think he's got a lot of other schools in the mix right now. Clemson is coming hard at him. Illinois is coming hard at him. Um, and I, I think the favorite 
right now, if if it's not Oklahoma State, I think it's Missouri because I think he's from St. Louis. I think Missouri is the the most attractive option to him right now. And that relationship had soured several months ago, but I think that's slowly being worked out uh, with the new coach, Quanzo Martin, there. And uh, that will be interesting to see if Missouri can kind of make a late run at him. But uh, I don't think there's any reason to panic right now. I think he's still a little bit of ways from making a decision. I mean, if he doesn't come, that's that's a not great situation for next year. Because, I mean, as we've seen the last half of the Big 12 season, having a, having a big-time point guard like Kendall Smith, that's paramount to being, you know, even competitive in the Big 12. Yeah. And I, I just don't know that Brandon Everett can be that guy. No, uh, they'll they'll have to bring someone in, um, whether that's a grad transfer. Uh, they they've offered another high school quarterback or a high school point guard um, to maybe fill that role. So you know, if Ramey ends up deciding he wants to go somewhere else, they do have potentially a backup plan with a with a high school kid. But uh, your options are pretty limited because this is this is where you have to get your guy as uh, in the spring yeah. period. Um, so yeah, it's it wouldn't be good if they missed out on him. Uh, okay, we got another one uh, here from Kurt. Where do you think the 2019 football class finishes in the final rankings? Oh man. Okay, so uh, I wrote. I actually, I think I talked about this one in my written piece on the website. Um, I wrote a predictions post for 2019 where I said that. Dax Hill is committing to Oklahoma State. I wrote that Grant Gunnell is committing to Oklahoma State. Um, but I still don't think, even if that does come to fruition, that OSU is going to finish in the top 15. Um, my guess, and just based off history with Oklahoma State, is they finish somewhere around 25 to 30, just because that's usually right around where they always finish. Um, they have a, a knack for starting fast, but kind of finishing and fading down the stretch. So... I get, I'm guessing they finished like 27th, somewhere around there. Yeah. I've got some stuff coming out. Uh, I was busy the last couple of weeks kind of compiling a database of uh, the last 15 years of recruiting rankings. And Oklahoma State's an outlier for sure in terms of rankings compared to wins or wins compared to rankings, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, it's either it's either really good or really bad. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how... Uh, people look at it, but um, speaking of Dax, I think everybody wants to know this. Where do you think he goes, and what do you think Oklahoma State's chances are of landing him? All right, I want to ask you this: where Where do you think he goes? Uh, I have ideas. I don't. I think Ohio State. Okay. I mean that they, they've had so much success with defensive backs over the past. Well, for a long time now, and I think that I think that maybe the most underrated quality of a school is their ability to get uh, to get guys to the NFL. Yeah, I think I think that that we as fans sort of look at it and we're like, oh, well, they win a lot, or they're on TV a lot, or I guess we don't say that anymore because everybody's on TV, or right. they have cool <laughs> uniforms, or they're close to home, or whatever. Yep. And I think th- I think that we forget that for all of these guys and. I mean, us included when we were in college, we were already looking beyond college to how can I set myself up for success uh, in the post-college world? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's a real thing. And so I, I just think that that 
um, sort of quality combined with, you know, what a great atmosphere Ohio State is. I, I think that he'll end up there. Yeah, that would stink. Um, I, yes. Yeah. I, so I talked to DeMarco Jones, his teammate uh, at Booker T, a few weeks ago for an interview on the Reload podcast. He said Oklahoma State was uh, in his most recent top three, unofficial, didn't release it on Twitter. Um, so I think OSU has a shot. Um, I, I'm not so sure that OSU wins out just because, one, assuming Justice Hill has the season that everyone thinks he will, he'll probably be in the NFL uh, sometime next year, um, which rules that out, obviously. But two, I don't know if he th- he thinks or maybe sees OSU as his, his best option to get to the NFL. So I'm going to go... I'm going to go like Ohio State or OU. That's my guess. Mm. There's been a lot of yeah. a lot of uh, momentum over the past few weeks for OU. A lot of national analysts uh, pegging him to be a Sooner. So that that has to be like OSU's worst nightmare, though. Yeah, sweet. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, God, that would suck. <laughs> it would not be good. No, not probably at all. probably the best prospect to come out of Oklahoma since I don't know a long time. I mean, he's a top thirty national recruit. He's a stud. I don't think OSU's ever had that good of a defensive player. I want who it? Well, it's Rashetti Jones, who's yeah. their top defensive recruit ever. Yeah, or but Bobby he was Reed. like the. Well, I'm talking about defense. Oh yeah, yeah. So and Rochetti was like number forty six or forty eight or something like that. Wow. So yeah, they've never had a top thirty guy. Yeah, that'd be wild. Okay, couple couple more here. Um, how much longer? This is an interesting question. How much longer do you see Mike Yersich on Oklahoma State staff? He's been responsible for not only Mason Rudolph but bringing in Spencer Sanders, potentially bringing in Grant Gannell. Uh, what, what what do you what do you see his future looking like in Stillwater? Well, um. I, th- I thought that he may leave after this year just because it's the end of an era. You know, Rudolph, he obviously recruited Rudolph uh, to Stillwater, and I thought he may ride the coattails of number two all the way to a, a head coaching job, but that didn't come to fruition. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe he's just going to ride Spencer Sanders and see where it takes him. Uh, maybe Spencer's a really elite quarterback, and after two years he, he wins a – wins the starting job and then Yurcich bounces after two years. That's something like maybe what I'm thinking. I mean, I don't know why he wouldn't leave after this year other than he just doesn't have any opportunities, which is, which is my guess. So he's probably stacking up his resume right now, trying to, trying to get all his bullet points in line. And maybe two years is my guess. He leaves in two years. It's been a good run. It's been an underrated run. run. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Last thing. And uh, I, I kind of want we kind of touched on this earlier, but give me your top three. This is a, another question that we had. Give me your top three on the quarterback depth chart come September 1st. Uh, number one, Spencer Sanders. Number two, Drew Brown. And number three, Taylor Cornelius. Mm. You, think, you, think, you think Brown is bumped ahead of Cornelius? I do. Yeah. Uh, I'll go. I, I'm my chips are just. I, I had to go get more chips to put in the middle of the table. First for uh, Spencer Sanders, 
So QB1, Sanders, QB2, Cornelius, and QB3, Brown. Yeah, I mean, Mike Gundy was talking like he just bought like a new 2018 Maserati at his uh, recruiting press conference talking about <laughs> Spencer Sanders. He was just in love with him. I mean, he's just in love with him. I don't, I don't, I don't see how he doesn't start him. You know what still sticks out to me is is when he was asked about uh, about why Sanders isn't coming in early, and he didn't seem to care. He's like, no. eh, well, whatever, just get you know, go to prom, play basketball, whatever. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, it was weird. Which I'm like, well, it was weird. It was like, I I don't. It was I don't almost know. like there but, was some sort of agreement, like, hey, you know, you go do your thing, but when you get to summer, just be prepared. You know, you gotta. You have to take the bull by the horns. We're not just going to give it to you. But I feel yeah. like Gundy's like, oh, yeah, we'll give it to him. It's fine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, the thing people keep coming at me about Cornelius with this Clint Shelf comparison, which is is fine. But people need to remember, 2013 is, is when Shelf had all his success, and and I like Shelf. I thought he was, I thought he was really underrated. Actually, yeah. even now, he's pretty good. Um, but 2013 was literally the best defense Oklahoma State has ever had. Yep. And that's not going to be the case in 2018. I mean, they had they had Justin Gilbert. They had who else was on that defense? Uh, of course, Gilbert's the only one I remember. Yeah, I Levy. think. I think Levy. Yeah, was on Levy. There. Yeah. I think they had like multiple pros on that on that defense. Yeah, they had a couple and, defensive linemen who were studs. And they just it's not true of 2018 so could Cornelius start and win eight games sure but I just I don't I don't see the point of that like your ceiling is so much higher with uh with Sanders and if you're gonna have a down year quote-unquote anyway then why why blow why why just throw away a year with with Cornelius he's a he's a great backup might be the best backup quarterback in the big 12 yeah um yeah, or I'm, maybe I'm with you. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. So I'm with you. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I told Carson this last week. That it's it's the least interesting spring ball uh, position battle, and it's the most interesting uh, fall ball. Yeah. Position. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure we're going to learn too much in spring ball with Keandre and and Taylor. I think that's it, right? And Kolar, just three. Yeah, there's a Ryan. Uh, yeah, walk on. Yeah, I, I don't even Ryan Mallet. I don't know his name. Yeah, What's that's his name. A, I think that's him. Yeah, I Ryan don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's an in-state kid who's a walk-on. Um, Ryan Sherry. Ryan Sherry. I okay, think is his name. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, we're we're not gonna learn too much this spring. No, not at all. Okay, you gotta go. Uh, thanks for letting me host. It was a lot of fun. You bet. Uh, thanks, thanks for having everybody. me on. Yeah, thanks to everybody for sending in questions and. You guys be sure and check out my podcast, the Pistols Firing Podcast with Carson Cunningham later on in the week. Yep. Subscribe, resubscribe, rate it five stars. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Kyle. We'll talk to you later. Okay. See you, buddy.